Now, I was going to get that fork because if any of you know, parents, I bet you know, around my house with a house full of kids, usually forks and knives and spoons and everything else grow legs and walk off and you never find them again. So every fork we have, we hold dear to our hearts, and so I needed that fork. But let me tell you what I didn't do. I did not reach my hand into those red-hot coals and pull that fork out. Now, if I would have done that, our great family afternoon around the grill would have been interrupted by a trip to the emergency room. I mean, it would have burned the flesh right off my fingers. I didn't do it like that. But what I did do is waited until the fire cooled down. And so this morning, I went right back out to the same grill with the same pile of coals, somewhat the same pile of coals, and uh, I fished that same fork out. Now, what was the difference? Well, it lost some of its fire. Now, when I dug down all the way to the bottom of that uh, pile of ashes, even this morning, it was still warm down in the bottle. But let me tell you something. A grill's purpose is to cook some good food. Can you save into that? There's little I like more than a good grilled hamburger, so its purpose is to grill those burgers. But now, how many of you understand, even though it was warm, it could not fulfill its purpose because a warm grill is not going to cook a good hamburger. It takes a hot grill. And because it had lost some of its fire, it could not fulfill its purpose. It had become lukewarm. It was no longer hot to the touch. It was warm to the touch. And when I saw that, um, that made me think of my Christian walk, of our Christian walk. How many of you understand this morning that from time to time we wallow in lukewarmness? As a matter of fact, I believe that the church today, the modern church, what I believe to be the Laodicean church, the last church before Jesus comes back, the Bible tells us that it is the lukewarm church. Let me tell you what's happened. We have cooled to the point we are no longer able to fulfill our purpose. We've got more churches today than we've ever had before in the history of the world, and we're in the worst shape we've ever been in. If you don't believe me, turn on your television. Read your newspaper. Just walk outside from day to day. Go to school. Amen? Go to our local schools, go to your workplace, and you're going to see that we are in a pitiful shape as a society. Now, I want you to know something. I believe there's enough power in the church that through the church, God can and will change the world. I believe that. So what's the problem? The problem is not God's intentions or His power. The problem is our lukewarmness. We've come to the point where we're no longer on fire for Jesus. And because we're not on fire for Jesus, we are not able to be effective in the work God has called us to do and has saved us to do. We've become lukewarm. Now, for some of you this morning, what I'm going to share is going to be old hat. Some of it will be new, but I want to dive deeper into what we started Wednesday night. We, study, we are studying through the book of Revelation on Wednesday night and this was uh, the message that we studied, verses 14 through verse number 22 of Revelation 3. Uh, so a lot of this is going to be the same, some of it will certainly be different, but I felt as though we needed this this morning. Now there for several reasons, first and foremost because I felt led of the Holy Spirit, can you say amen? I mean I don't do what God leads me to do as your pastor. Also, I know that not just the Wednesday night crowd needs this message, but all of us need this message. Now listen to what it says. Verse number 14 of Revelation chapter number 3. And the angel of the church at La- of the Laodiceans write, 
These things saith the Amen and the faithful and true witness. Watch this now. The beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither hot nor cold. I would that thou wert hot or cold. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, watch what he says. I will spew thee out of my mouth. Now, when it says there that the Lord will spew His children out of His mouth, He's not talking about losing your salvation. He's talking about His children making Him sick. He says, because of your actions or lack thereof, you're causing me to be sick at my stomach. You're causing me to be nauseated, to want to vomit because of your lukewarmness. Verse 17, Because thou sayest I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest now not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. Verse number 18, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. Watch what he says in the last part of that. And anoint thine eyes with salve that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore and repent. Now watch what he says in verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And, and if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Verse 21 says... To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and sat down with my Father in his throne. Now verse 22 tells us what we need to see. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Who's God speaking to this morning? Those with ears. How many of you have ears this morning? If you do, just reach up and touch them. Amen. Well, that's all of us, isn't it? He who hath ears, let him hear. If you will come today with an open ear and an open mind and an open heart, you and I, all of us can receive what God says to us. If you believe it, say amen. If I was going to entitle my message this morning, it would be stoking our spiritual fire. Let us pray. Father, help us today. I can do absolutely nothing without you. Lord, I want to do nothing without you. I need your power. I need your presence. Lord, I need you to fill me up and pour me out. These folks need not hear what I have to say, but what you say according to your truth. So Holy Spirit, would you use me this morning as your mouthpiece to speak to these people. Lord, if there be one here that's lost, would you bring them unto yourself? Lord, if there be one here that's wallowing in lukewarmness, I'm praying today that we see our great need to be on fire for you, not just for us, but for others. Lord, we ask you today, have your way and have your will. We love you. Thank you so much for meeting with us, with us this morning. In Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Amen. There's three things we need to see this morning concerning what it takes to stoke up our spiritual fire. First of all, I want you to see the curse of lukewarmness. The curse of lukewarmness. Jesus says something in verse number 14, and he says unto the angel of the church at Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen. Now Jesus makes introduction of himself here. Now I want us to look, take a good, long, close look at who he claims to be. He says three things about himself. He says, first of all, that he is the factual one. Listen to what he says. These things saith the Amen. Now if you're in your Sunday school class or you're in your uh, Bible study or you're in your uh, the worship time and someone says something you agree with, from time to time you might say Amen. 
Now what does that mean? That means that you stand in agreement with whomever is speaking that what they said was factual. That's what, that's what amen's all about. So when Jesus, he don't just say, he says amen. He says, I am the amen. What does that mean? That means that all fact lies in Jesus. He's the factual one. He is the truth. Now, if you believe that, just say amen. Now, we talked Wednesday night about that same verse of Scripture, and I said that that means He is the Christ of confirmation. That, listen, all the promises of God are made real to us in Christ Jesus. He confirms that through the pages of Scripture. I want you to see today that, first of all, Jesus is the factual one, but He's also the faithful one. Now, if you believe Jesus is faithful, say amen. Isn't He faithful to us? Let me tell you what I'm thankful for. Let me tell you what blesses my soul. The faithfulness of Jesus unto me is not based upon my performance, but His person. If it was based upon my performance, what I do and what I don't do, how I please Him or how I displease Him, how I walk in obedience or how I don't walk in obedience, folks, if that was the case, Jesus would never be faithful to me. It's not based upon who I am. It's based upon who He is. His faithfulness is not based upon what I've done, but what He has done. And that's good news for us all. The Bible says that His faithfulness reaches unto the heavens. Jesus is faithful. I want you to write down on your margin there in Revelation chapter 3, um, the scripture numbers 23 and verse number 19. You can go back later and read that for yourself. But it's one of my favorite verses of scripture. Numbers 23 and 19 says that God is not like a man that he should lie. That's good. Folks, do you know something? As your pastor, I want to let my yes be yes and my no be no. As a husband, I want to let my yes be yes and a no be no. Amen? As a father, I want to let my yes be yes and my no be no. What I'm trying to say is, what I tell someone, I want to be faithful to that. I'm going to do my best to. But you know what I figured out and what some of you probably figured out? You don't have a perfect pastor. You know what I figured out and, and what my wife's figured out? She don't have a perfect husband. You know what my kids have figured out and I figured out they don't have a perfect father and that even though I want to do what's right, even though I strive to do what's right, even though I perfectly purpose on a day-to-day basis to do what I say I'm going to do and what I know I'm supposed to do, there are times in my life because I still have this sinful nature in the flesh that I will fail you and I will fail God. All of us do. Do not put your faith in man. But now I'm thankful Numbers 23, 19 says it like this. It says in Numbers 23, 19, God is not like a man that he should lie. He is continually faithful. What God says, you can count on. I used to have a dear brother, a good friend of mine, and he'd always say this. I mean, if he was really get, trying to get down to where the river meets the road and tell you something you need to know, he'd say something and he'd say this. Now you can put that down in your book. <laughs> and what he said is, that's so true you can write it down and remember it. I love that. Now let me tell you this. What Jesus has put in his book, you can write down in your book. He is faithful. The Bible contains 7,324 promises for the people of God. And do you know that God is faithful to fulfill every one of them unto his children? Take your Bibles very quickly. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. You've got to see this. 
this morning. I want you to see it in your own Bibles. Underline it. Put a star by it. Remember it. Praise God for it. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 20. For all the promises of God in Him are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. <laughs> all the promises of God are made real to you through the Lord Jesus Christ. That means if you've been born again into God's family, you are made partakers of all the promises of God. And He's faithful. Not only is He the factual one, not only is he the faithful one, the Bible says in verse 14, he's the faithful and true witness, but I also want you to know he's the forceful one. Now what do I mean by that? I mean that the Bible says right here, he's the beginning. Now let me ask you something. If he is the beginning, that means there's no one or nothing before him. Nothing was here before Jesus. No one was here before Jesus. He is the beginning. Let me give you two verses of Scripture. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. In the beginning was Jesus, or the Word. And the Word, or Jesus, in the beginning was with God, and He was God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Jesus was God in the beginning. All things were made by Him. Colossians 1.16 says it like this. All things were created by Jesus and for Jesus. All things. He is the beginning. Dr. Frank Turek, one of my favorite apologetics teachers, he says it like this, there must be an uncaused first cause. You missed it. I'm going to say it again. There must be an uncaused first cause. Jesus is the uncaused first cause who stood on nothing and created everything by a spoken word. Jesus is the forceful one. He's the beginning. But now let's look at the curse that we see in Scripture of lukewarmness. I want to answer three questions. First of all, I want to ask, answer what lukewarmness is because that's the charge made against this church. Lukewarmness means you are too cold to be hot and too hot to be cold. You're too cold to boil and you're too hot to freeze. Amen. Now then, I told you Wednesday night, and I'm going to tell you again this morning. Jesus is saying about His church here in Revelation 3 what I say about coffee. One of my favorite things in all this world is a good hot cup of coffee. How about you? I enjoyed one this morning. I came over early and just got along with the Lord in my study with a good hot cup of coffee and I had a good morning. I'm going to tell you something. I've had church since 7 o'clock this morning. It's been good. Amen. So I love a good hot cup of coffee. Let me tell you what else I figured out. I even like some cold coffee. You can take some of that good crushed ice that the Lord has blessed us with downstairs. Isn't that a good blessing? Now let me tell you this how God answers prayers. This is completely off my message, but you need to hear it. We've been praying about an ice maker. We're fixing to buy an ice maker. You can, you can ask my deacons. We had talked about it twice in our deacons meeting, and we had tried to order one, but they were out of stock from the place we was going to order it from. Now, we tried. We couldn't order it because they were out of stock. The gentleman told me, he said, guess what? In a week and a half, we ought to have some more in. I'll call you back. He never called me back. So a week and a half passed. We didn't know what we was going to do. I was looking for another place. We went over to uh, a, 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 another church to a, a funeral one night. Uh, I was actually preaching the funeral. Several of our, of our folks were ministering there. And so while we were there, some, one of our church members saw an ice machine sitting over in the corner. 
And he said, uh, what about this ice machine over here? And the church said, well, um, we bought a new one. That one was perfectly okay. But when we built on our, to our church, to our fellowship hall, we decided just to update everything. And he said, well, we're looking for an ice machine. Would you like to have one? And, we, and, and or, or could we maybe see about buying that one? And, and so he said, yeah, I'll talk to our church. So he talked to the church about two days later. He called me back and he said, we ain't even going to charge you for that ice machine. We're just going to give it to you. Now God answers prayers among his people. He meets needs. That may not mean much to you, but that meant a whole lot to me because I'd been praying about it. Praise God. Now where was I? Cold coffee. You can... <laughs> You can take some of that good ice down there that we got, that good crushed ice, and you can take you a good cup of coffee, put you some heavy whipping cream in that coffee with three packs of sweet and low, and then take that crushed ice and pour it into the top of it with a straw, and I'm telling you, that is some fantastic stuff. Y'all try that this evening. I like hot coffee. I like cold coffee. Let me tell you what I don't like, lukewarm coffee. Lukewarm coffee makes my stomach hurt. How about you? Lukewarm coffee makes me sick. And that's exactly what God is saying to his church here. You're not hot, you're not cold, you're somewhere in the middle and it's making me sick. That's what lukewarmness is. Now, who is he speaking to? Well, he's talking to uh, the lukewarm crowd. We know that. He says, I were that you were hot or you were cold in verse 15, but you're neither one of those. He says in verse 16, you're lukewarm. Now, he's not talking to the hot crowd. Let me tell you who the hot crowd is. The hot crowd are those who are passionately loving and serving Jesus. How many of you like to be around passionate servants of the Lord Jesus Christ? Let me say this. Those two go hand in hand. To passionately love Christ and, and serve Christ. You cannot tell me you love Jesus if you ain't serving Jesus. He said, brother, where do you get that? Well, I get it from Scripture. Jesus said it like this. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, do what I tell you to do. So your love for Christ is not shown by what you say, but by what you do. Your love for Christ is not shown by what you post on Facebook, but what you are doing through the body of Christ. Amen. Passionately loving, serving Christ. Those going Christians, those glowing Christians, those growing Christians. Amen. That's the passionate crowd. That's what I want to be a part of. Amen. Above everything else. He's not talking about those. He's not talking about the cold crowd either. Who's the cold crowd? Well, that's the ones that are totally against the things of God. The atheist, the agnostic, the unbeliever. Those who have a contrary belief as to who God is and what he's done. He's not talking to them. Let me say this. I don't think God's mad at them. He's not sick with them. Do you know that God poured all His anger out on His Son at the cross? Do you know that God's no longer angry at sin? Are you hearing me? Listen to me. The payment for sin has been made. It was made in Jesus. If you choose to reject what Jesus has done, you will still face God's wrath in a, in a devil's hell. But I'm telling you, the wrath of God was poured out on His Son. God hates sin, but He loves the sinner. I'm not mad at the atheist, and you shouldn't either, because the atheist is doing what he knows to do. He's an unbeliever. He's still in the dark. He's blind. God's not talking to the cold crowd. He's talking to the lukewarm crowd. 
Who's the lukewarm crowd? It's those whose fire have died out. They just like that grill. They used to be hot, but now they're cold. They used to be fulfilling their purpose, but now they're not. They used to be passionately serving Jesus, but no more. They're lukewarm. They're self-satisfied. They're half-hearted. They're fence straddlers. Dr. Adrian Rogers wrote six ways we can test and see whether or not we're lukewarm. And they were so good, I had to share them with you this morning. I'm going to go through these very quickly, so hang with me. First of all, we need to ask ourselves, what about sanctification? To be sanctified means that you are set apart for the purposes of God. That's what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that we are called out from a lost and dying world. We are called out from the world system. The Bible teaches that we have been saved and sanctified, set apart for God's purpose. Do you know that this table is sanctified? Amen. Let me tell you something about this table. This table says, in remembrance of me. This has been set apart for a purpose. The purpose of this table is so that we can partake of the Lord's Supper from it. Let me tell you what we ain't going to do with this table. We ain't going to drink beer on this table. We ain't going to play poker on this table. Amen? We ain't going to yard sale on this table. What are we going to do on this table? We're going to use it for its purpose. Amen? I ain't got nothing against yard sales. I'm just telling you. Praise God, I grew up with yard sales. Still have them myself every now and then. I'm just saying, there's purpose for this table. And it's set apart. You hearing me? I fear that from time to time, the modern church has lost the importance of being sanctified, of living holy lives, of coming out from among them, of not making the decisions that the world makes, not living like the world lives, not doing what the world does. And the church now looks more like the world than the world like the church. And because of that, we've lost our influence. Because of that, in many circles, the church has become the laughing stock. That's not what Jesus saved us to be. Can you say amen? He saved us to be sanctified. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 through 16, the Bible says that we are to be holy, live holy like Christ is holy. There will be a difference in us. Different from the world. Sanctified, set apart for the purpose of God. What about service? You need to ask yourself that question. How are you serving Jesus? Are you serving Jesus? Can I say this? If God is going to use you, let me tell you how He's going to use you through His church. See, His church is His body. And if you're going to be used of God, you're going to be used through His church. You need to get plugged in to the local church and allow Jesus to use you. Now, if that's happening, let me ask you this, Sunday school teacher. When's the last time you wept over your class because you want to see God move in a special way? 
Let me ask you this, soul winner. When's the last time you spent time on your face praying for a lost loved one and shed tears because of them? When's the last time you got on your face and prayed and said, God, I'm not giving up till you give me an answer? When's the last time you were serious about the service God's called you to? Are you? We should be. I had to ask myself the question, when's the last time I've passionately spent time on my knees praying for my church? Praying that God moves. Praying that His will be done. we got to ask ourselves, what about our sanctification? What about our service? Let me give you another. What about our singing? Do you know that, that I, and I, we had a fantastic song service this morning? And that was, isn't that awesome? I love that. I love that. When we are able to come together freely and worship, do you know we praise God through our song? I've told you before, Max Licato says it like this, and it's my favorite definition. He says that worship is the thank you that can't be silenced. It's us just pouring out our heart into the Lord and just saying thank you for who you are and for what you've done. And we do that through our singing. How many of you know, we don't come here for a funeral dirge. We come here to celebrate life. Jesus has overcome death, hell, and the grave, and we ought to act like it. This ought to be a worship service each and every time we come together. Let's make song in our heart toward the Lord. Listen to what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to turn over there. You can if you choose to. If not, that's fine. Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 18. The Bible says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Let me ask you this. What about your singing? I can remember times in my life being on fire for Jesus. Man, I'd just be walking around all day singing to the Lord. That'd be a new song in my heart. Has the Lord ever woke you up with a song on your heart? I love that. I mean, just wake up out of a dead sleep with a song on your heart, song of praise unto the Lord. You ever be at your workplace just singing to yourself about how good Jesus is? You ought to try it sometime. When you're on fire for Jesus, it happens. I don't know about you, but I miss that. I want it now. Can you say amen? What about you singing? Let me show you something else. What about the scripture? The psalmist David said, Lord, if you'll teach me your precepts, I'll keep them to the end. Psalms 119.33. Now he said that because he believed God's word to be truth. He believed God's word needed to be heard and heeded. He believed God's word was what changed his heart and changed his life. I can remember times in my life on fire for Christ when I just could not think of nothing else but God's word. I mean, I was so hungry for it. I can remember times at work, I, I'll just be honest, I didn't give uh, my workplace all they needed because all I could think about was what God was speaking to me. Hungry for the things of God. Hungry for the Word of God. See, if I believe if you're hungry for the Word of God, church won't be a problem for you. If you're truly hungry, hungry to hear from heaven, let me say this. Church will not be a burden, it'll be a blessing. Are you hungry for God's word? Do you believe like David said? It's a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. 
What about your supplication? What about your prayer life? The Bible says in James 5, 16, that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. How many believe that? How many of you pray fervently? Praising God in your prayers, but seeking God for all your needs. Spending time in prayer for your church. Brother Johnny done a fantastic job this morning teaching us about praying for your pastor. I've told you before, folks, I need the prayers. You need to practice. Pray for me and I'm going to pray for you. Pray for one another. Lifting one another up to the Lord daily. We do that. Try to daily at 9 o'clock for a reason. Because we all need the prayers of God. We got a prayer list in our bulletin for a reason. Take that home with you and pray through it. People need the prayers of God's people. What about your sacrifice? Do you know you don't have to go to Africa to sacrifice for Jesus? You don't have to go to communist China to sacrifice for Jesus. But there's a lot of people who won't sacrifice enough to bring a Bible to work because they feel as though they'll be made fun of if they do. There's a lot of people who won't sacrifice when they sit down before a meal and bow their head and give thanks to God because they're afraid somebody might laugh at them. Do you know that, folks, we sing the song, all to Jesus I surrender, and we won't surrender nothing? We won't surrender our time. We won't surrender our talents. We won't surrender our treasure. We sing it with our lips. We praise God with our lips, but many times our hearts far from Him. Jesus warned of that. When he's speaking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders of the day, he's saying, you're praising me with your lips, but you're not doing nothing about it in your life. Your heart is far from me. What about your sacrifice? We pray without fasting. We witness without tears. We try to praise without joy in our hearts. That's lukewarmness. The curse of lukewarmness is a terrible thing, but I fear it's rampant in the church today. Let me show you the cause. Verse 17, Revelation 3. Because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, knowest uh, not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Let me tell you what was the problem with this people and the problem with a lot of church members today. They're self-satisfied. They're doing their thing their way by their ability. They're satisfied with where they are and they forget about following Jesus, about seeking Jesus. They were so blind they couldn't see. I heard one man say it like this. He said, the most blind people in the world are those who refuse to see their blindness. The most deaf people in the world are those who refuse to realize they're deaf. This church thought they had everything and had nothing. This church thought they were rich and they were poor. Folks, listen to me. Until we really see where we are, God can't take us where he wants to take us. we got to get serious with ourselves and serious with the Lord. And I'm telling you, you get serious with Jesus, he'll get serious with you. Their cause is our cause. Do you remember the story by Hans Christian Andersen of the king, the emperor who had no clothes? Do you all remember that? 
The story goes something like this. There was a king who was all-powerful in the land, and there was these three guys who came to him and claimed to be tailors. And, and they said, oh, king, we have created a new fabric, a, a new suit of clothes that we know that you'll love. And they said, don't it look beautiful, king? And they held it up before him like this, and of course there was nothing there. And the king, being afraid to admit that um, he couldn't see the clothes, said, oh, I love that suit of clothes. How can I purchase it? And they told him, and he, he bought the clothes, and then he took off his clothes and put on their clothes. And the whole time, he's just as naked as a jaybird. And he's walking all over the kingdom bragging about his new clothes. And everywhere he went, he'd say, don't you love my new suit of clothes? And everybody being afraid to admit to the king that he was naked, or at least say to the king that he was naked, and the king being afraid to admit it himself, he just stayed naked and everybody praised him for his new suit of clothes until finally, one day this little boy walked up to him and said, why is the king naked? And then he had to deal with the situation. But he couldn't deal with it as long as he refused to see it. Folks, we can't either. Where are you at with the Lord? Has there ever been a time in your life when you love Jesus more than you do right now? When you were sanctified, walking in sanctification more than you are right now. When you were serving more than you are right now. When you're praying more than you are right now, when you are more hungry for the word more than you are right now, if that's the case, maybe there's some lukewarmness we need to address and deal with. I heard a story about little boys. Prayed to the Lord, and he said, Lord, would you sanctify me? Would you clean me up? Would you make me good, but not too good, just good enough not to get a spanking? <laughs> I can see my kids saying that. I'd Folks, that's what we say from time to time, isn't it? Lord, we want to be good. We want to do what you want. We want to be who you want us to be, what you saved us to be. But we don't want to be too good, for if we are too good, we won't be able to hang out with all the people we don't need to be hanging out with anyway. We won't feel comfortable in the crowds we shouldn't feel comfortable in anyway. Folks, listen. It's time we serve Jesus with fervor, with holy fire, there's the cure for lukewarmness. It's found right here in Scripture. Jesus said it like this. He said to his church then and to us today. Revelation chapter 3, verse number 19. Excuse me, verse number 18. He said, I count thee to buy gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich. White raiment thou mayest be clothed and the shame of thy neckers do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eyesight that thou mayest see. Now just a very quick note right here. This church, the church um, of Laodicea, was on the trade route to the Far East through the land of Turkey. All of these churches were located in Asia Minor, or what we know to be Turkey today. And this, this church was right on the trade route. And so when all these expensive materials were going to the Far East or from the Far East, they came through Laodicea. And because of that, they became a very, very wealthy city. And so Jesus um, says three things to him here that we need to see. He says, first of all, by gold tried in my fire. He said, you're trusting in your wealth. Start, stop trusting in your wealth and trust in what truly matters, my wealth. How do you know Jesus makes you truly rich? And that's what he's telling them. And then he says, um, that the, and, and, and then with white raiment, my clothing. Not the clothing that you buy and sell and trade in, that you put so much stock in. He said, you need to buy my clothes, my white clothes, my clean clothes, the clothes of righteousness. And then he says, get some eye salve for your eyes. In the city of Laodicea, 
And in this church, they treated blindness. And so Jesus is saying to this church, all these things you are so prideful in, quit trusting in them and trust in me. And then he tells them in verse 19, and as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. He Be zealous, therefore, watch what he says, repent. The cure for lukewarmness is repentance. Is us turning from the wrong way and going the right way. Is us getting in agreement with God and living in a way by His power that's pleasing unto Him. Folks, I'm telling you, I've repented a lot more after I've been saved than when I got saved. How about you? I repent every day. I've got to. All of us do. All of us should. If there's something in your life that the Holy Spirit spoke to your heart during this service, you know you need to get right. Let me tell you, get it right this morning. Everybody stand together. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man I open the door, I will come in and sup with him. I'll come in and have fellowship with him and he with me. I told you Wednesday night that many times that verse of Scripture has been used to invite the sinner to come be saved. And I'm okay with that. It's okay. Because that's exactly what happens. Jesus does knock on your heart's door. He does show you through the power of the Holy Spirit how much you need Him because of your sinfulness. He definitely does that. He knocks on that heart's door. He draws you unto Himself. And it's up to us to open the door by faith. And by grace through faith we are saved. But can I share this with you? Do you need to get a hold of this? In Revelation chapter 3, when Jesus said, open the door, he's knocking on the door of his church. That's a very sad thing. He says, I would rather you be cold completely against me than to be lukewarm. Why? Folks, lukewarmness, has lukewarm Christians has done more harm to the cause of Christ than the drunkard or drug dealer will ever do. When you are lukewarm and say you love Jesus but don't live like it, people don't see a difference in your life, they have no need for what you offer. And that hurts everything. It's not only important today that you get right with God for you, but if you claim the name of Jesus, it's important for others because I can promise you, if you claim Jesus, people's looking at you, and they're looking at me, each and every one of us. The cure is repentance. If you need to do that today, these altars are open. You want to do it where you're at? It's fine too. If God's speaking to your heart about salvation, you know you need to be saved. I do want you to come forward, not because I save you or walk in this aisle save you, this church saves you, but you come forward to shame the devil and praise Jesus. You come forward because you are not ashamed and you want to say, hey, I'm following Christ, I'm giving my life to Him. If that's you today, you come. Whatever the case may be, these altars are open. You want to come pray for a lost loved one? Come pray. You want to come pray for your church? Come pray. You want to come talk to the Lord about serving Him? Come talk to Him. Oh, listen. He's able and He's willing this morning. Whatever your need may be, He can meet it. Sing for us.